Today's guest says there are two approaches to finding basic happiness, and we're going to find out what they are in just a moment. Hello, everyone. I'm Pamela Brewer, welcoming you to this edition of Mind Talk. Happy to introduce to you today's guest, Jonathan Robinson. Jonathan Robinson is a psychotherapist. He's a best-selling author of not one or two, but ten books. He is also a professional speaker, and he spent many years studying the most practical and powerful methods for personal and professional development. Jonathan, welcome to Mind Talk. Thank you, Dr. Burr. Now, Jonathan, you say that there are two approaches to basic happiness, only two? Well, you can limit them to the two extremes. The one is the outer method and the other is the inner method. And uh, growing up, I had uh, a very violent, dysfunctional family, so it didn't look like the outer method was going to work for me, so I kind of focused on what I can do inside myself to find happiness. And what did you come up with? I mean, so many people who have grown up in violent households uh, really talk about the pain and and often the long-standing sort of intricate way in which the pain of that trauma has woven itself through their lives. But you're talking about happiness. Yeah, you know, luckily I got into things like meditation and hypnosis and self-help around age 12. So I started to look for what methods actually could help me heal myself. And uh, being that I was just a kid, I I went for really simple stuff and found that, you know, 80% of everything is kind of crappy, but 10 or 20% is pretty good. So I stayed with that. And later, I wrote books about the methods I found that really, really worked. And luckily, Oprah liked those books, so I got on her show a bunch. And now millions of people know those methods. Well, getting on Oprah's show a bunch is not a bad, um, not a bad deal. So congratulations on that. Tell me how a 12-year-old gets involved in things like uh, self-help and hypnosis and meditation. That's not the average 12-year-old, I would suggest. Yeah, I guess not. Uh, People tell me that now. Um, Well, at the time, it made sense because there was nothing, you know, I wanted to escape from my family, and uh, books were available to me. And also, my uncle was a hypnotist. And I'd see that he could turn my normally shy sister into, like, Mick Jagger in five minutes. And I said, well, wow, that seems pretty great. I'd like to turn my shy, depressed self into somebody who's confident and feels good. So that's how I got into hypnosis originally. So really with the help of a family member. Yeah, yeah. My uncle really had a major impact on me that way because I saw – that something else is possible, and it only required control of your own mind. So when you talk about the two basic approaches to happiness, and you talk about sort of the inner approach, before I ask you to explain more about that, I have to ask you how one defines what happiness is. I mean, so often I would suggest in today's world, happiness is defined by what's on the outside, by what you own, by your things, by your titles. Yeah. 
Well, some people define it that way, but the way they define it in research is they ask people a simple question. On a 1 to 10 scale, uh, with 10 being the best possible, how good do you feel about your life and how uh, happy are you? And, you know, some people say 9, some people say 2, and overall it averages it out. Um, so it's not it's a very subjective thing. Uh, and really, we're all trying all the time to improve our happiness level, whether it be through more money or more relationships or more meditation. But most people aren't very good at, you know, uh, we have an epidemic of depression and anxiety and drug use and loneliness and all kinds of addictions to screens and, you know, uh, our smartphones and such. So, in a way, it's good news that we're not that good at it because that means there's a lot of room for improvement. So as you approach sort of identifying and living in your own internal happiness, how, how do you do that? Well, there's a lot of ways. I, I've written books on that subject. And what I, I think that people need is to find one or two really simple things one or two really simple things that they can do daily that take like five minutes that make a huge difference in their life because that's possible. You know, if you say change everything, nobody's going to do that. I'm lazy. I'm not going to do it. But if you can do a couple of exercises that have been proven to greatly increase your happiness level and they only take two minutes, yeah, well, I'll do that. So um, that's what I focused on, or what are those little keys that can make a huge difference? Uh, give me an example. Well, um, I'll give a few examples while we're talking in, our, in the whole show, but let, let's just say one really simple one that takes 10 seconds to describe is, is asking yourself every day, what are three things I could feel grateful for? You know, because gratitude does help you to feel happier. And most of our minds are focused on what's wrong with our life. That's what minds do. But if you focus on, well, you know, hey, I don't have a toothache today. <laughs> Toothaches are a drag. Thank God I don't have a toothache today, you know. Or it could be, you know, that I, I uh, am warm now. It's cold outside, but, you know, fantastic. I get heat in this house. Little things like that, or of course, people you love, stuff like that can also make you feel better. And later I'll give um, a couple of methods that take a, a, a little bit more time to describe but have been shown by science to have as much impact as doubling your income overnight. Wow. So really what you're saying is that it is the tiniest of things that can actually increase your happiness if you allow yourself to notice them. Is that what you mean? Yeah, or, li you know, little exercises – that can make a big difference in how our minds relate to the world. You can't change the world. It's too big. You know, there's politics, there's climate change, there's all those things. Nothing we can really do about that. Uh, but there are a lot of things we can do to change how we view things or how we feel inside. And that's where the real power lies. But most people don't know those methods that really work. You know, they're, they're too busy with other things. So... That's what my mission has been, is to teach people the methods that take under two minutes a day 
that science has said profoundly impacts the quality of your life. Here, here's another real quick one. Okay. Doing an act of kindness for a friend or stranger mm. is the quickest way to boost your own happiness level. Isn't that great? That, and that's pretty easy. Yeah, yeah. Say a nice thing to someone, help them, uh, you know, a, a disabled person, help them uh, bag their groceries or whatever it is. It's, there's lots of pain all around. You don't have to look very far to find it. Um, I volunteer every week in jail to teach prisoners meditation, and people think I'm a good guy. I'm not a good guy. It's really fun. They like it. I like it. It makes me happier. So, you know, clearly what you're saying is that when you reach out to add to the happiness of others, you're also adding to the happiness of yourself. It doesn't cost you anything, and uh, the benefit is really just a little bit more joy in your day. Yeah, you feel better about yourself and better about your life. We're going to take a break in a bit, um, but when we come back, I'd like for you to talk about what the Dalai Lama does every day to be as happy as possible. Deal? That's a deal. Okay. Folks, this is Pamela Brewer, and you are listening to Mind Talk. I am having a conversation with Jonathan Robinson, who is the author of many books. Um, You've actually heard Jonathan here on Mind Talk before, talking to us about couples and couples uh, conversations. So you stay where you are. We will be right back. Jonathan, the Dalai Lama is a name that people know worldwide. You say that the Dalai Lama does something every day to be as happy as possible. What, what is that one thing? Well, it's actually two things. Um, I got to interview him back in 95, and uh, he's just a joy to be around. He has an, an infectious laugh, and he's really fun to be around. Uh, but he said what he does every day is every day he meditates for uh, at least a couple of hours. <laughs> and a I said, I asked him, I said, how, how, what, what happens if you're really busy? <laughs> and his answer was, well, then I meditate for three hours a day. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyways, g- given that, let me say a couple of things. First of all, the opportunity to actually sit and meet with the Dalai Lama had to be an extraordinary one for you. Yeah, it was. And I got to interview a lot of uh, well-known spiritual leaders, uh, including Mother Teresa and Deepak Chopra and Wayne Dyer and lots of others for a book I did. And, um, you know, these people are very busy, but they're also very happy because they take care of themselves first. And the Dalai Lama said the other thing he does every day is that he does an act of kindness for people around him. And he said, kindness is my religion. Hmm. And I thought that had a lot of impact on me because obviously he knows a lot about Buddhism, but he said he's not a Buddhist. He said, kindness is my religion. 
talk a little bit more about his uh, meditating for so long each day. As you very well know, in today's world, it can be hard to get people to sit for three minutes, let alone three hours. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's why I teach people meditations that take under three minutes to do, because uh, they can still be very effective according to the science. So, you know, we're not, we're not the Dalai Lama, but you can get a lot of the benefits of meditation in three minutes. In fact, I teach a, a one-minute meditation that has been shown to decrease stress hormone levels in your blood for five hours in wow. 60 seconds. I find that amazing. But, and, and I'd be glad to go over that method if, uh, if you want. Um, and, and people can really be, get benefit from something that takes as little as a minute. Please do share that method with us. Okay. I will guide people in it right now. It only takes a minute. Um, if you are in a place or a position where you can close your eyes, that makes it a little bit better, but it's not necessary. Imagine that you could take a deep breath into the center of your chest or heart area and just feel the warmth there for a moment. And then think of a person or a child or a pet that you have great affection for. And remember a specific time where you felt really connected to them. Just think of this one time where you felt really connected to this person or pet and imagine telling them how much you love them and seeing how happy that makes them imagine hugging them or holding them in a way that helps you to feel even more connected and just feel grateful for having this being in your life and how you get to share this connection with them and breathe in that feeling of gratitude. And when you're ready, take as much time as you need, come back to the room and slowly open your eyes and notice how you feel more centered in your heart. And that little meditation actually changed your blood chemistry for the next few hours. It lowers cortisol, which is the stress hormone. That I was, I was doing the exercise along with you, and it really mm-hmm. is amazing how quickly and how profoundly it can change your sense of yourself. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't need to take long. These exercises uh, or methods that I talk about are effective. It's just that people don't know about them. People are busy, you know, trying to make money or or control things in their life, which are really hard to control, thinking that if they had that control, then they'd be happy. Well, I call that the outer method, and that's fine to do. I do that. But it's really these inner methods that are actually much more effective in changing how you feel. When you say that the the value of these exercises has been proven according to science, what science are you referencing? Well, there's a lot of uh, researchers in the last 20 years that have studied this thing called positive psychology, and they actually do you know 
different physiological measurements of people and and psychological measurements to find out what works and what doesn't. And uh, you can read about them in in journals. Uh, there's a journal of positive psychology now. Um, there's uh, if you go to the University of Pennsylvania website, they have a lot of research about this. Uh, you can get books. Uh, I have a book called Find Happiness Now that has some of that research in, as well as some of the exercises. So there's a lot of, of good studies now. The problem is that nobody's been able to figure out a way to make a large amount of money from it. Uh. So, for example, uh, depression, uh, antidepressants have been shown to be completely non-effective for 95% of people who take it. It's other than the placebo effect. But they make $15 billion a year, so we all know about them because the drug companies can advertise them. But nobody can can compete with an advertising budget of $15 billion a year to sell a a method like what I just gave. So those methods don't don't get known to the general population. You say that you overcame depression in about an hour when you were a teen. Was that as the result of hypnosis or was it something else? Actually, it was something else. It's a funny story. Um, I was so shy that I, when I went to UCLA, I'd never actually asked a woman out on a date because I was so shy and, and afraid. A friend of mine said, well, if you get, he thought that the way to get out of the shyness was to face it head on and to actually get rejected by 10 women in one day. And he said, if I got rejected by 10 women that day, he would treat me to a trip to Hawaii. So I was, I was motivated. I went to the university bookstore to get rejected by 10 women. I you know, go up to the first woman. I'm, I'm shaking. I'm sweating. My whole body's vibrating. I, I go up to a woman. I say, hello. And she turns around. She sees me shaking and sweating. And she says, are you all right? Do you need an ambulance? You know, it was pretty funny. <laughs> I convinced her not to call the ambulance and asked her out. And, of course, she said no. And then I went to, up to the next woman, and I found that it kept getting easier. You know, finally I knew kind of what my script would be, what they would say. Normally they'd say, I'm not available, I have a boyfriend or whatever. And um, it was all going really quickly, and I'm happy because I'm about to go to Hawaii. And, but the seventh woman I approached ruined it because when I went up to her, I said, hey, I'm new here, and I'm trying to meet people. You look very nice. Would you like to go out sometime? And she says, Sure. Oh, well, at that no. moment, I realized I, I had no script for sure. I, did, I said, like, sure what, you know? <laughs> she said, yeah, I'd like to go out with you. And, you know, I wrote down her number and went up to the next woman. Now I'm feeling really good and feeling really relaxed. And when you feel good and relaxed, you're kind of attractive. So the next eight women all said yes to me. I'm so sorry. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Finally, I had to, you know, pretend that I was sweaty and shaky to get the three final rejections. I went to Hawaii, but more importantly, I realized that this small fear of rejection had kept me from my entire love life and meeting people, and that somehow got me out of my depression and into life. So you kind of confronted your fear. In fact, you did. You confronted your fear. 
you and got over it. You also have a book about technology and the use of mm-hmm. technology to feel more peaceful quickly. Can you tell us briefly about that? Yeah, the the book is called The Technology of Joy. And, you know, there's a lot of little gadgets you can do that will either help you to meditate or little supplements you can take that are healthy, that change your mood, that are all natural, or little body gadgets that give you really com- really good massages. Um, so there's a lot of these gadgets. Actually, I, I review a hundred of them in the Technology of Joy book. And some of them cost as little as like a dollar, but they're quite effective and they keep getting better. So I have over a hundred of these gadgets in my house and my house is like Disneyland, but the rides are on the inside. <laughs> that's, that's not a bad way to describe it. Tell us what the awakening is and, and how one can experience that. Let's start first with what is awakening? Awakening, you know, like when we, when we dream, we think it's real. But when we wake up, we think, oh, that was just a dream. Well, in a similar way, when we wake up out of our normal uh, consciousness, uh, our normal way of being feels like a dream. And what you awaken to when you wake up is you awaken into what I would call an eternal now in which... Uh, in which you're surrounded or enveloped in a feeling of peace and love. Um, And you take yourself, your personality, as like not that that important. You know, you you really take your connection to something bigger than yourself, uh, a peace and a love that supports our life becomes your reality. And this is possible for human beings. Uh, I have uh, partly done that. I don't live in that state all the time. But people like the Dalai Lama or whoever live where they are always in a state of what Jesus called the kingdom of heaven within. And that's possible for people. I, I actually have a podcast dedicated to methods for doing that called Awareness Explorers. And um, in Awareness Explorers, we... we often interview people who live in that experience and ask them how they got there. Jonathan, we need to take a break, but when we come back, I want to just spend a couple of more minutes on the concept of awakening. Folks, this is Pamela Brewer. You're listening to Mind Talk. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Jonathan, in, in, in the few minutes we have left, just explain to us a little bit more about awakening and what it is. You know, awakening is really, we've all had moments of it when we're like fully present and we're fully, our mind is quiet, our heart is open, and we feel connected to something larger than ourselves. Some people might call it God or, or spirit 
or they might just call it their higher self. And that's a potential that we all have, but usually our minds are too busy for us to recognize that this present moment is this opening to a world of, of greater peace and love. And what I try to do is give people tastes of that, either through my, my podcast, uh, Awareness Explorers, or through guided meditations that help people to experience it so they can kind of get back to that target. Because I think that's what we all really want. I have a, um, for people who are interested, a, a website called shortcutstoawakening.com that uh, actually goes into this in more depth and and has four guided meditations that can help people to uh, get to this place of deep peace and love inside themselves. But to do that, you have to let go of all the worries, all the stories we got going in our head, all the history, and become really focused on the experience you're having in this second, the sensations, the emotions, the sights, separate from any story of uh, or history. It's very much focused on the instant of now. For those who are listening, who are saying, sounds great, can't do it, it's impossible, what do you say? Mm-hmm. I say it is impossible unless you have the right technology. You know, Traveling through the air at 600 miles an hour is impossible for human beings, but it's very easy if you're in a plane. So uh, in a similar way, if you have the right method for you, whether it be a guided meditation of some kind or some technique, the impossible then becomes actually quite easy with a little bit of practice. But if you don't have that technique, yes, uh, your mind will just keep doing its thing and and you won't experience that peace. What my focus has been is finding lots of different methods that don't take very long and finding that different things work for different people. Different religions work for different people. Different meditation techniques work for different people. Your mission, should you decide to accept it, Dr. (laughs) is to find the methods that really work for you quickly, easily, and consistently. Jonathan Robinson, who is the author of several books, essentially all with the same theme, which is to help you find peace and awareness and comfort within yourself and within your relationships. Um, Thank you so much for joining us today. And tell us again, Jonathan, your websites. Well, my main website is called FindingHappiness.com. That's pretty easy. And then I have a website that talks about meditation, shortcutstoawakening.com. So those are good, good sites to begin with. Terrific. Jonathan, thank you so much for the work that you do, and thank you for sharing it with us today here on Mind Talk. My pleasure, Dr. Brewer. And folks, thank you for joining us today on this edition of Mind Talk, which is brought to you daily as an educational public service. Mind Talk is not intended to 
replace any work that you might choose to do with a medical, mental health, or other professional. Mind Talk is produced by Jim Brown and 26 by 2 Communications. Remember to go to the Mind Talk homepage, M Y N D T A L K. All sorts of things you can find there. Current, uh, current uh, broadcast, former broadcast, a way to sign up for free gifts. So, M Y N D T A L K. .org is the place for you to go. And folks, do remember, if it's unacceptable, it's unacceptable. Take care. Thank you.